And a good morning to everyone. Great to see everyone. Welcome to our second service of the North Brevard Church of Christ. November the 15th in the year of our Lord 2020. Our opening song is We Praise Thee, O God. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now part of love. Hallelujah, I'm the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, I'm the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne sure what we can say sometimes around people, especially those we don't know. We're more sure around people we do know well. Father, we know we can talk to you about everything. 
We've talked to you about our doubts. We've talked to you about our fears. We've talked about the, the things that make us happy, things that make, it, things that make us sad. Father, we know that uh, it's been that way for a very long time, and we're thankful for that. We don't have to talk through uh, another avenue. Sometimes our own thoughts just don't make sense. Um, we're thankful that it's translated through Jesus, through the Spirit, to you in such a way that you can understand our hearts. Father, we're thankful for your love and mercy, which changed our hearts. It's changed us from uh, sinful beings to people known by your son's name. Father, we're thankful for the, the pre-planning that you uh, would send your son to die on our behalf. The sins of our life, the cha changes, the choices that we've made. That we would walk away, but you would ultimately offer an avenue of fixing that. Father, we're thankful for sending your son uh, who served as a perfect sacrifice. We're thankful for the, the teaching and the example that he gave while he was on this earth. But also a sacrifice that 2,000 years later, later still washes away sin, still, still brings people into your kingdom, still prepares us for a life eternal with you. Father, we ask for your blessings on this great nation. We ask for uh, peace. We ask for a time of unity among the people. Father, we, uh, we need your hand on the, uh, need your hand with, the, with our leadership, the president, Congress, Supreme Court, and they look towards you with decisions that are made, how they affect the people, how they, uh, that we can continue to lead godly lives, we can continue to do what's needed to show love to, to one another. Father, we ask for your blessings on that. Father, we ask your blessings on those who share the gospel. It's a victory message, the message of overcoming sin. We know it's shown far and wide. Sometimes we uh, don't really share that too well ourselves. We're thankful for each person who does. We ask that you bless uh, Dennis and the work in Nicaragua to continue uh, sharing it there with those people. The people of Nicaragua and Honduras and some other areas have been... Uh, We've already had a hurricane here a couple weeks ago, and i got another one coming in. Father, we ask that you bless them with strength and patience through it all, too. Father, we ask for your blessings on Gary Wider and Rob McConnell with the work that's being done in the prisons, lives that could easily be thrown away if it wasn't for your own love. Father, we ask for your blessings on the people of Mali, people of Madagascar, people of Zimbabwe. And we know missionaries work there hard to continue to bring the gospel. Father, we ask for your blessings here in North Brevard. The Mike and Matt continue to touch hearts, to change lives. The work of each one of us individually, whether, uh, whether it's for, through a formal study or just the example that's shown that shows that, that, you're, that Jesus is still alive and effective in this world. Father, we ask for your blessings on those who are sick, those who uh, need your help most. We're thankful that Mitzi was able to get treatment number 10 out of 12 this week. We know she's looking forward to surgeries and, and removing the cancer from her body. Father, we pray that it's all effective and lets her get back to being who she is. Father, we're thankful for news of Calvin Nobles being able to come home. We ask that you be with him and Arliss as he goes through dialysis, as he goes through the, the therapy that's necessary. We ask to be with William's mom. We saw that she uh, was found unconscious, but we asked you to, to 
have a healing hand on her. She's loved by many of her family, and many look to her for an example. Father, we're also thankful for the work that's been done to heal William. We're thankful this past week he was able to come to an elders meeting and serve as an elder. He, was, uh, he served the church in a couple other ways this week, even though he should be uh, laying low. We're thankful for a heart that continues to touch more, many. Father, we ask for your blessings on the food pantry tomorrow, that it, uh, effect, that it effectively shows Christ to, to lives, so that people can see that and, uh, and reach out through there. Father, we also are thankful for the, the efforts of Brenna and many others, the Thanksgiving baskets. We know that will touch many lives and uh, help, pit, help put a meal on the table for a time of Thanksgiving. Father, we ask for your many blessings. We ask for your love always, your guidance. In Jesus' name we pray. Our next song is in preparation of observance of the Lord's Supper. We're now going to take time to remember Jesus. Jesus, he was willing to give up his life for us. We'll be reading beginning in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But the, there's another part for you and I who are believers. God gave us a path for salvation through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And that, that's, that's just a huge relief off all of our hearts, and, and we can go forward in this life knowing that we've been saved, but, but there's one more part that's just, it's just wonderful. He overcame death, and he overcame the sin of the world. It's over, the, that battle is done. 
we've been given the promise of eternal life. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. So for us, Christians, the best is yet to come. Let's go to God and thank him for his plan of salvation and for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much, Father, that, that you sent your son to, to bear our sins, Father, on the cross, Father. We thank you that he willfully went and, and took those sins from us and, and that he paid that price so that, that we don't have to, Father, and that, that we can be with you in the end. Please bless this bread, Father, that represents his broken body. In Jesus' name. Let's continue our prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you that, that his shed blood, Father, washes away our sins. Father, we pray that, that each and every day we remember the, the great sacrifice that Jesus did for us and, and what we have to look forward to in the future, Father. Please bless this cup that represents his blood. In Jesus' name, amen. This will be our song before the lesson. If it's convenient, shall we stand?
It looks like my battery is getting ready to die on my mic, just a warning, if it goes out. <clears throat> Light just turned red on me. Okay, so we have to rush a little bit today because Joseph's journey is a big chunk of scriptures, and so we're going to get right into it. I just want to remind you that we are talking again about how God is faithful to his word, and you can trust him more than you can even Trust yourself. God is faithful. If he says something, it's going to happen. If he says something, he's going to do it. His promises are always true and always fulfilled. And we're going to pause. Okay. So, again, we're going to... It's, a, it's not really in my instincts to skim the scriptures. I like to go deep and all over the place in my sermons, as many of you know. And, but in order to see the big picture, we're going to fly through them, okay? Because I think it's really important to see the whole story all at once. It, um, it, uh, I think it's revealing it in a different way that way. So... Okay, if I would have spoke too early, we'd have got some real good feedback right there. So Genesis 37 is where the, the life of Joseph really picks up, okay, in the scriptures. In Genesis 37, we find out that Joseph is his dad's favorite child, and his brothers hate him because of it, because they know it. And then Joseph has a dream, and he dreams that they're out in the field, and they're sheaving, and his sheep actually is elevated above the other sheaves of his brothers. And his brother's sheaves actually bow down to his sheaf. And he shares that with his brothers. And his brothers get really upset. They say, what, do you think you're going to rule us one day? Do you think you're going to be our king? And, it, and we know the rest of that part of the story, don't we? They get upset and they decide they're going to kill him. And they throw him into a pit and they're and they're thinking about how they're going to kill him and how they're going to cover it up for their dad. And some slavers go by and they say, we don't have to kill him, let's just sell him into slavery. Let's just sell him to the slavers. So that's what they do. And of course they go back and they lie to their dad about how Joseph is dead. By, chap by chapter 39 of Genesis, we get to the point where Joseph has been taken by the slavers into Egypt. And at this point in time, Joseph has been bought by Potiphar and he is in Potiphar's house. And we know that Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph to the point where by the time Joseph leaves the encounter with Potiphar's life, he's leaving with nothing on. Okay, he's running out with nothing but his uh, bathing suit, his birthday suit on, right? Um, by chapter 40... By chapter 40, sorry, I get a kick out of my own family when they giggle at me. I'm sorry. By chapter 40, Joseph is now in prison because Potiphar's wife has changed the story, and it wasn't her that was coming on to Joseph. It was Joseph that was coming on to her. Okay? So, Joseph is now in jail, and he's sharing. He just happens to be sharing a space with the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the Pharaoh's baker. And they both have dreams. And Joseph interprets both those dreams to the chief baker. 
He says, sorry, bro, you're toast. Really? That was, okay, that was a little corny. Um, to the chief cupbearer, he says, you will be restored. By the way, that's how I remembered that for all my college tests. But okay. So it happens just the way Joseph says. By Genesis 41, the Pharaoh has had two dreams. Okay? He, he has a dream. It wakes him up out of his sleep. He goes back to sleep. He has another dream. He knows there's significance in these dreams. In fact, he does something he doesn't normally do. He says, I'm not going to tell anybody my dream. I want them to be able to walk in and interpret it for me. Okay? So by Genesis 41, all the wise men of Egypt, all the people who should be able to do this for the Pharaoh, they've all come in. Nobody can tell Pharaoh the dream. Nobody can interpret the dream because they can't even tell him what it is. And finally, that cupbearer, he remembers, hey, there's a guy that, there's a guy that interprets dreams. And he's in jail right now. So Joseph comes in, he tells the Pharaoh what his dreams were. Here's what the dreams were. The first one is that the Pharaoh had a dream of seven, the ESV says plump, you could call them fat if you want to, seven plump cows. And they're feeding by the Nile. And all of a sudden these seven skinny cows come and they start feeding by the plump cows. And before he knows it, the skinny cows are eating the plump cows. And then, like I said, he wakes up, he goes back to sleep, and then he has another dream, and he sees these seven beautiful ears of corn, these seven beautiful stalks of corn, and they're growing beside these seven ravaged, ugly, is what the scripture says, stalks of corn. And they eat the beautiful, plump stalks of corn. And we know what those dreams meant, don't we? Those dreams meant that Egypt was about to have seven years of plenty. And then after their seven years of plenty, they were going to have seven years of famine. In fact, the whole world was going to go through seven years of famine at this time. So Joseph interprets the dream. And in chapter 41, verse 53, it says this, The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So obviously Joseph has now been promoted. He's the right-hand man of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is literally pointing the people in distress to Joseph, Joseph has the plan, okay? And then it says, So when the famine had spread all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth, okay? There's something interesting to point out here. I want you to understand that this time in history is a very debated time right now in present day, okay? There's a lot of historical, uh, uh, ancient historians who want to tell you that there is no proof, no proof that Israel ever spent any time in Egypt. Again, let me remind you why this is so important. 
Because if Israel never spent time in Egypt before Jesus, it makes the prophecy that was fulfilled. Remember this now. The parents take Jesus into Egypt to escape Herod. Remember that? It makes that prophecy null and void. It is another attack on the gospel and the truth of God's word. Okay? This is something that is argued. If you really want to do some research on it, do it. I've done plenty on it. It's argued all the time. These dates are disputed. This story is disputed as if it is not even real. All right? We're going to get back to that in a little bit. So, chapter 42, severe famine enters the land, and it doesn't just force the Egyptians to unite under the Pharaoh. It forces the world to come to the Pharaoh, even... Israel's family, even Joseph's family. And as we know, they come and they're looking for food and, the, and, and Israel says, you're not, you, can, you guys go, but you're going to leave Benjamin with me because last time I let you guys out of my sight with our young sons, one didn't come back, right? And so they go to Egypt and Joseph basically tells them, hey, you got to bring back Benjamin or I'm not going to give you what you're looking for. So they go home, they talk to their dad, they come back with Benjamin. This is where Joseph, I think, maybe has a little bit of a revenge moment, like the little brother moment, right? Because he takes silver, takes valuables that are clearly owned by the family of the Pharaoh, and he puts them into their bag. And he sends them on their way. And then he sends soldiers after them to arrest them for the stuff he put in their bags. When they come back, he uses that to hold Benjamin. That's 44. In 45, he reveals to his brothers who he is. Now I wonder, in this moment, does anybody besides Joseph remember the dream that started all this to begin with? I wonder if in this moment, if the brothers finally saw that the dream that they sold their brother into slavery over was coming to fruition in this very moment. I really wonder. The scriptures don't make that clear about what the brothers thought, but the scriptures later on will make that clear about what Joseph thought. So obviously, in chapter 45, he sends them back, keeps Benjamin as ransom, sends them back, and they come back with Jacob, Israel. Okay? In chapter 46, starting in verse 1, it says this, So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night. And said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall, Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Okay? In chapter 47, Israelite settles 
and Goshen. Goshen is in Egypt, all right? These are important facts to remember going forward in the macro scheme of the Bible and, and, and the history of what's going on. Understanding the promises of God. I know it's been two weeks, but do you remember why this is significant to what God told Abraham? God told Abraham, you're going to live in a land that's not yours for 400 years. Where are they living? In a land that's not theirs. By the time we get to Moses, we need to remember that because the people are crying out to God for deliverance like he promised. Don't forget that the people, even though they have their moments constantly of doubt, they have their moments where they're constantly saying they want to go back to Egypt, okay? Don't forget that they know their history. They know the promises of God. And I'm going to show you even more about that as we go through. In Genesis 49, Jacob dies. In Genesis 50, Joseph dies. And I know that I just rushed through that part of it, but that's what happens. Verse 19 in Genesis 50 says this, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So he's having this moment in Genesis 50 before he dies where he's telling his family, Look, these things that you meant, to be bad for me, God used them for good. Now, I want you to think about this. Joseph's life wasn't the type of life that I think we all would want to go through. Maybe the last part, right? Maybe where you're second in command of Egypt. But all the parts leading to that, Joseph lived a very difficult life. You think he ever asked God why he was going through what he went through during these times? You think he ever wondered why he was in jail if he'd ever even get out? You think Joseph ever had dark times in all of this? I think he did. I don't know how he couldn't. But at the end of his life, he says to his brothers, this all had to happen. Why? Because of what God promised Abraham years ago. That's what he's saying in this scripture. Don't miss it. Not only did he say that you would go through a land of 400 years and, and be in a land that wasn't yours and that God would deliver you after those 400 years, he also said that God would use Israel to do good for the world. If Joseph was not in the position he was in Egypt, if Egypt was not the country that it was at this point in time in history, God could have never used Israel to save the world from famine. Also in Genesis 50, starting in verse 24, says this, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land. See, he still knows what's going on. To the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. See that history? I want you to remember that two weeks from now when we get to Moses. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Remember that too. 
Joseph made Israel promise that when they left to go to the promised land, that they would take his bones with them. Okay? So why is this all important? I told you, one, that the world likes to use this specific part of history to say it never happened. It's a debate. If you don't believe me, like I said, do the research yourself. It's a part of the scriptures that they attack wildly, actually, if you really want to know the truth. This is artifacts on the left side. The right side are recreations or enhanced versions, if you will. If you think that they found something from thousands of years ago that looks like the right picture on the top, um, that's not what things look like after thousands of years. Okay? These are actual artifacts that they found in what we believe, right? In what we believe to be ancient Goshen. Now I want you to look at that very carefully because what you see, <coughs> excuse me, is in a tomb. What this picture, what this artifact, what these artifacts reveal is that this is a Semitic person that is wearing garbs of power for Egypt. Okay? In other words, this is a Jewish person who's wearing Egyptian royalty clothing that just so happens to be in a tomb in ancient Goshen, Egypt. Okay? Let me give you one more. This is the graveyard. Again, recreation. Doesn't look just like that when they dug it out of the sand. This is the graveyard of the Semitic town that they found in ancient Goshen. This is the graveyard. Now what you're seeing pointed out in this picture is one, there's 12 tombs. Why is that significant? There was 12 tribes, there was 12 sons. The other thing you're seeing in this is the significance of the tomb where the statue was found in. Can you guess which one it is? It's the one that looks like a pyramid. What's very interesting about this is they know how the, where the Jews were because the Jews built things in a very specific way. So the architecture shows us that these were Jews that were living in Egypt that just so happened to have 12 tombs. By the way, when you look at the courtyard, when you look at the courtyard that's in this, you also find a courtyard that has 12 pillars. No coincidence now in the number 12. So, please understand this. I'm showing you all this to let you know that when God says something's going to happen, even if the whole world tells you it never did, the evidence is going to come out eventually. It's going to. Here it is, right here. So, I just wanted to give you Genesis 15 to remind you of that passage that I was talking about earlier. So I'm going to read it real quick. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, 
Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. We know that the Israelites eventually forget about what Joseph did, uh, or that the Egyptians eventually forget about what Joseph did for them and turns all of Israel into slaves and actually puts them through great hardship because they're worried about the numbers that they are amassing. So, verse 14, but I will bring judgment on the nations that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. I'm telling you, not one dot, not one comma, not one iota of that is not going to come 100% true. Because when God promises something, it's going to happen. God is faithful, and you can trust him more than you can trust yourself. So I got two take-homes and we're done. First one is this. From the pit of despair, to the chains of slavery, to the courts of injustice, to the prisons of the forgotten, to the place, palaces of plenty. That is the story of Joseph. Listen, there are going to be times where you aren't going to feel great about where you are in your life. There are going to be times where you're going to be like Joseph saying, why are you doing this to me? What did Joseph do to deserve being sold into slavery? What did he, deserve, what did he do to deserve being put in prison? Did he bring it upon himself? No, there are going to be times where this happens. Even to good, godly people. Some of you might be saying that right now. Why is this happening? Why are we going through what we're going through right now? It's certainly a time where we all recognize that something very different is going on in the world than normal, right? I want to give you some encouragement. Habakkuk 1.5 says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. God is working in your life right now. You might not feel like it. He might feel distant at the time. Let me tell you something. It happens to us all. God is working something in you right now. And let me give you this one too. At times you might not feel that you are in God's will. But you are. You might not know God's purpose for you. But you will. Because God is faithful. And I know, I know during the tough times, this is the scripture that's hard for us to ingest, right? Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Look, sometimes we go through stuff that we don't understand, but we end up in a better place than we were before. And sometimes it takes years to realize that. Sometimes what seems like a trial ends up being a rescue. Well, sometimes it takes years to figure that out. At the end of the day, it still comes down to this. God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his promise. And one of the promises is this, that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that all who call upon his name, all who are baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and have their sins washed away through his blood will have eternal life. 
you can take it to the bank. For those of us who have already done that, look, life is going to, sometimes life brings us stuff that makes us all question at one time. And sometimes life brings us stuff that makes us question individually. Understand this, God is in control. And God is still working right now to this day. And his will will be done. To trust God. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. Toast Association. If you didn't pick up a bulletin, please get one. There's a lot of information in there. Um, continue. Remember William Sands' mom, Mozilla. Uh, she was found unconscious Wednesday. She has slurred speech. She's down in Palm Beach, so she's remote from here. So keep her in your prayers. Uh, William, he's still improving from his stroke. He joined us last Tuesday. He's supposed to stay out of low-stress environments, and he comes to an elders meeting. So I kind of, I don't really get that, but. He looked pretty good. Um, both eyes were pointed in the same direction, which is a big deal, because that's how they found out that he was having the stroke, is one of his eyes just turned one way and just, it wouldn't work at all. So he's getting control. Uh, continue to keep him in his prayers. Continue to keep Mitzi in your prayers. She's in uh, treatment number 10 out of 12, so she got these last three, and they are, they are tough. They are really tough on, on Mitzi. Uh, Linda Keller, she's feeling a lot better. She's here this morning after her fall. So she's recovered uh, nicely so far. My daughter, uh, Elizabeth, she had reconstructive surgery this last Wednesday. She's at home. Uh, she's in some pain, but she's recovering. 
Can you remember those that are in Honduras, Nicaragua, with uh, Hurricane Etta that went through there? It, uh, it left a pretty good path of destruction. I got a uh, card here from Arliss Nobles. Dear members of the North Brevard Church of Christ, thank you very much for the many prayers, cards, virtual hugs, messages, and other ways that you have showered us with love during, the, during Calvin's hospitalization. It was a very long 87 days that he was in the hospital, but God has never left us alone. There were many challenges to his medical situation. God brought us through the, each of them. Calvin is home, receiving home course, course services. He goes to Orlando three days a week for dialysis, and we are praying that his kidneys will soon wake up. Please continue to pray for us during his recovery for strength, healing, and restore overall good health and Christian love our nobles and family. So continue keeping your prayers. On a positive note, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is alive and he is preparing for us a glorious place to live for eternity. So our closing song is a happy song. He lives. Shall we stand? I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I meet him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Lord, just to trust you. Help us to look beyond the here and the now 
to realize what you've given us is so much more important than the times that we live and the struggles that seem to be upon us. Help us to walk in faith until we come back again, Father, in Christ I pray.